The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Just lift your hands to heaven. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear and every heart receptive receive now your word today. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to go with me, if you would please, the book of Acts, chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 19. He says, So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing of recovering from the effects of the heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, you think about many in the church world of the last three years that really have succumbed to things that took them out, the effects of the heat, And that's why revival is so needed and why revival is so important and why we as a church keep everybody in the spirit of revival at all times. You know, when the Lord called me to the ministry and I went to the ministry in 1980, off of the back of the touch that took place in my life when the fire came upon me, July 1979, From that moment, my whole thing was to get everybody touched by the anointing. And of course, you've heard my story, and I've taught even on the series of the anointing, the struggles that I had in the early part of my ministry, because everybody wanted me to be a certain way. And I tried to pattern myself after what they thought, and people said, you should do this, and you should do that, and uh, you should say this, and shouldn't say that. And, And so I would tried to comply in the sense of that whatever they said, you know, I mean, they're much older than me. I mean, I started, I was 18 years old in the ministry, so I listened to my elders and and especially those that had gone on before me, and I said, well, this is how you prepare for a meeting. I mean, they even told us, if you're getting ready for a service, don't talk to anybody. (laughs) So, which, you know, I had to, when I got married, I had to talk to my wife. I couldn't tell her, no, I can't talk to you, I'm getting ready for a service. And then when we had children, I couldn't say to the kids, get out of here, dad's getting ready for service, I can't talk to you right now. So that didn't work. Are you with me? And I am a people person. It's fine for somebody, which I had to learn that a lot of ministers have insecurities and they actually don't like people. I didn't realize that. I was actually, it was like a rude awakening to me that there were people in the ministry that were totally dysfunctional. And they actually didn't like people and didn't actually want to be around people, but God called them. I, on the other hand, I love people. So people, I think, are great. I, I can just sit and watch people, and it's the biggest comedy to me. I sit and just... If you want to have fun, just go sit in a shopping mall and just watch people. 
People are the most hysterical things on the planet. I mean, just watching them. Just not doing it, just watch, observe. So I love people. So, I mean, obviously I try to do that. They said, you must go lock yourself in the room, you know, at um, uh, two o'clock and then pray in tongues for like five hours and the service would be, I did that. By the time I got to the service, I was so tired, I couldn't even operate it. I was like yawning, just wishing, oh God, let the service end. And everybody else felt the same way. And the Lord had to speak to me, you know, what are you doing? I remember I read about Wigglesworth, you know, he would wake up at four in the morning, pray in tongues for three hours, four to five to six to seven, and then he would have communion and dance around his bed. So I thought, that's it, man, that's the key. He raised the dead. I'm going to do just that. So I set my alarm, wake up at four in the morning, pray in tongues, and I wake up at 11. Because <laughs> I fell asleep, fell asleep. And then I thought, oh man, I'm never going to be anything in the kingdom of God. And the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, Wigglesworth, four o'clock, praying tongues, three hours, have communion, dance around his bed. I said, I didn't even get to the dance around the bed story. And the Lord said to me, that's his relationship with me. What are you, what are you trying to do? And plus he went to bed a lot earlier. You can't go to bed at one o'clock and wake up at four every day. You have to sleep. So, so obviously I had to learn the hard way. Then also in listening to the Lord on what to preach, because God would give me um, a message, especially when I begin to pastor, because, you know, everybody feels you've got to have, you must have the latest people, you know, they feel you've got to have the latest revelation, you know, for Sunday morning. And really that's not, you've got to feed the people. It's not about your latest sermon for your new book title that's going to go out and on it. Gag me with a spoon. Who cares about that? What's going to feed the people? And then a lot of the stuff that's preached is preached at a theological level that should be preached in a seminary that, that doesn't feed the sheep. The, feed, the sheep are running around all hungry. They run around trying to eat food. And, and ministers are preaching for the giraffe. They're trying to feed the giraffe. A giraffe has a long neck and can eat the leaves up there, but the sheep can't. So the sheep are running around and they're all hungry. All of God's sheep say amen. Yeah. <laughs> so then I realized that ministers were under the pressure to try to out-message or revelate other preachers. So they were not preaching for the people. They would, they would come, you've got a conference, you're going to speak, and you're going to out-revelate anybody that's there. And everybody's going to go, wow. Meanwhile, nobody understands a word of what they're saying. Even the preacher doesn't understand what he's saying. So then they would say, you're going to have to get the tape. And if you get the tape, you're going to listen to it over and over. But even when you got the tape, you listened over, you still didn't understand what he was saying. I would go to meetings and people were taking notice, notes and I'm sitting there going, okay, I must be somewhere wrong with me. I, I can't, there's no notes here. I didn't even know what to say. What is he talking about? And I would say to Donica, do you know what he's talking about? She said, no. I said, I don't either, but I guess this must be really deep. But it's so deep, we can't even grab a hold of it. Then I, you know, I was raised around church. I don't have a clue what the guy's talking about. It's always like, 
You're coming through your season. There's a, a shift, and you're moving into your destiny. And it was like, like what? Like, I thought you told me that last year when you came around, you told me the same thing. So then I began to realize that people were substituting a lot of things for the presence of God. Are you with me? Then they've got to get, they've got to get titles, and the more titles they get, the, the, the less anointing there is. The right honorable bishop, archbishop, apostle of apostles. You meet somebody, this is a pastor. No, he's not a pastor. He's a pastor's pastor. Oh, really? Wow. Should, do we have an evangelist, a pastor's evangelist, you know, to get them all saved first? I mean, all of the titles, the right honorable reverend doctor, bishop. You didn't know which ring do I kiss? Do I fall down here? What do I do here? And all of the substitutes that are taken and put in place for the power of God. It was always, come come tonight, God's going to move. Well, why does he move now? We're not letting him move now. Why would we let him move now? Pastors who come to me say, you can't have a move of God on Sunday morning. They said, you don't change oil on the showroom floor. I said, look, this might have been a previous showroom, but what do you mean you don't change oil on the showroom floor? If people are coming here broken, was I just kind of like candy coat everything? We're throwing out spiritual popcorn, peanuts, and candy, and we can't have the power of God. No, because if you have the power of God, then some people might get offended. Who's going to get offended? Somebody said, if we have a move of God in our church, it'll empty our church. What kind of a church are you running? A gambling casino? The only people that get offended by the power of God are religious people. Sinners come in from the world. They don't know anything. They just, they're on their way to hell. And the power of God comes like living water and just washes them clean. And the times are refreshing. Where's this been all my life? Why doesn't my church do this? What's that language they're talking I don't know, but it sounds wonderful. How do I get access to that? So I think one of the problems has been through the years is people want to control. If you look back through the centuries, you'll see revivals, outpourings of the Spirit of God, God moving by His Spirit, but the ministers want to control it because they don't know what to do. If the people get on fire, how am I going to control them? Well, let me tell you, you're not supposed to control them. Then bring them under the Holy Ghost control and get everybody winning souls because that's what happens when the fire of God touches you. You've got to go tell somebody. Somebody says, yeah, but they're not ready. The moment you get saved, you're ready to tell somebody about Jesus. The moment you get saved, The moment you meet Jesus, you're ready to go and run your mouth everywhere you go and shout it from the mountaintops and rooftops and tell everybody about Jesus. And you've heard me say this before. I've watched ministers bring an altar call down, and then the people are praying, and they say, now I just have to warn you, from this day now, you're going to be an open target for the devil. 
The devil's going to come after you. The guy's come off crack cocaine. He's been, <laughs> he's been running with the gangs, but now the devil's going to come after him. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? The devil's had him for all these years. Now Jesus came off him and set him free. What are you talking about? I've been, I've, I've been preaching for, for guest, yeah, guest speaker in the church, and the pastor wants to come. You're going to alter Philippine, but then he gets up to say that. And I go, you're going to shut You're going to be quiet. And then I deal with it probably in the back room. I said, what are you doing that for? Well, I don't know. I was raised. That's what we told people. I said, how can you tell people that? Now God's got them now. The devil's going to call for a change of underwear. He, I mean, what are you talking about? You know, religion is a terrible thing. It's like bad breath. You don't know you have it, but everybody else knows you have it. And that's what religion is like. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing will come, recovering from the effects of the heat, reviving with fresh air. That's what you're going to do this week. Everywhere you go, listen, everywhere you go, you're going to tell people about Jesus. Everywhere you go, you're going to revive people with fresh air. Everywhere you go, you're going to be a breath of fresh air coming into the place. Why? Because when revival comes in you, it must flow out of you. So if you want a title, I can give it to you at the end, but I'll give it to you right here. I'm going to talk to you about revival this morning. We're going into the fourth week here. This whole week, morning and night, is going to be awesome. And I'll just tell you, I am having the greatest time of my life. I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy. <laughs> These past three weeks have been so awesome. And then Monday morning of the second week, the glory of God flooded this place, just like it did in that first meeting in upstate New York in the month of April of 1989. And it flooded this room at, at 9.30 in the morning. Ah. So I'm so happy. And we dedicated this place. We dedicated with that all-night prayer meeting on Friday night. What an what a amazing, amazing time. So the first question that people ask, or they, they make a comment, but I'm asking it in the form of a question today, is revival a sovereign move of God? So that's what people, the first thing they go, it's a sovereign move of God. Okay, so if it's sovereign, then there's really nothing you can do to even have a revival. Because God might sovereignly decide not to even give you one. That's a lie from the pit of hell. What do you mean, Pastor? There's a move of God that's taking place before the throne of God, and it's been going for eternity past. And we either plug into that move or never plug into the move. Why do people not plug into the move of God? Because of control, manipulation, the flesh, and the structures of religion and tradition that keep the move of God out of the church. 
because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. Who's, who's going to get offended? It can only be a religious person. Why do you think we put the sign up at the front of the pavilion? Welcome to River Tampa Bay Church. Please be warned. This church is not recommended for Pharisees, Sadducees, Woodensees, or Couldensees. Any long-term exposure to this church will result in excessive joy, freedom, and then we, we give people opportunity in case they need to leave before you get infected and affected and totally ruined. You're never going back. You'll never go back. Can you say amen? No, God sovereignly moved 2,000 years ago in a place called the upper room. 120 people were gathered and came together. They waited 10 days from the time Jesus ascended and they waited and waited. And then on the morning at nine o'clock, on that morning of the day of Pentecost, suddenly they came, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind filled all the house where they were sitting and they put on them cloven tongues like as a fire. That outpouring of the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost has never stopped even to this very moment because God is still pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. The Holy Ghost has been at work for 2,000 years. There's never been a time. Some say, yeah, well, there was a dark age. It's been late. Even if you go back and study history, you'll still find the move of God was taking place. There were groups of people that were moving in signs and wonders and miracles, and the power of God was being poured out. Don't let people rewrite history and tell you what's happening. People in America think that the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost and disappeared for 1,900 years and showed up at 1,906 at Azusa Street. Are you on crack? God was moving way before Azusa Street. What about the Welsh Revival? 1904, two years prior. What about 1856 Welsh Revival? What about the 1700s? What about the 1600s? Outpourings of the Spirit of God. You think the Holy Ghost has been dead? No, well, just because you don't know about it and it wasn't on your television set doesn't mean to say God wasn't moving. The Holy Ghost is still the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost has been moving for 2,000 years. And the Holy Ghost is still in the earth today moving with great power. And that's why the devil thought he'd lock the church down, shut them down, put moss on them and get them to six foot social distancing and then even cut them down to 10 people. But he didn't realize there were some people that said, absolutely not. We're not bowing. We'll never bow. We'll never compromise. And I'm telling you, those are the ones that will see the explosion of what God's about to do in the earth. Hallelujah. And we are right now in the middle. This is already happening. It's not coming. We're in the middle of the greatest move of God right now that the world has ever seen. I'm telling you right now. This is it. You were handpicked by God to be a part of the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God with signs, wonders, miracle, and the dead race. This is our moment. This is our hour. I don't care what the Spirit of Antichrist is doing. This is not the hour of the Antichrist. This is the hour of the body of Christ 
rising up in power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. Every one of you, winning souls, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, every one of you, from the littlest child to the oldest saint. Why? Because that's Bible. That is Bible. My grandchildren's here this morning. Little Kennedy's over there. He's jet four years old. He fell down the stairs about a month ago. Kennedy runs up to him, sticks her hand on his head, raises her hand. She says, in the name of the God of my mother, be healed. A four-year-old knows what to do. The devil is not ready for what's happening. He's not ready in the nations for what's happening. Now, I'm not here talking to cessationists and all those who believe that all this passed away was the last apostle. If that's what you believe, I have nothing else to say for you. Change the channel because this program for you has now ceased. <laughs> all of those people have no scriptural grounds for in, there's nothing doctrinally to even prove what they're saying. There's over a billion people on the planet that speak in other tongues. And many people that have been healed and miracles that you cannot deny. How many in this room would say with the uplifted hand, I received a miracle of healing in my body over my lifetime? Wave your hand at me right now. So to all those that feel it stopped Take that and stick that up your spiritual nostril. <laughs> now, something just happened in a place called Wilmore, Kentucky this last week at Ashbury University, which is a Wesleyan Methodist University. Uh, the chapel service started at 10 o'clock, and it's still going on right now as we speak, 24 hours around the clock. This actually happened in the 70s. Dr. R.T. Kendall was touching that, and that's how he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spent his whole ministry amongst the Baptists and whatever, but he secretly was a tongue talker. He was. He was undercover. I, I, I posted it, and I can show you what's happening. This is in the chapel service, and it's led by the students. This is just going 24 hours round the clock. And, of course, I've already seen the comments on social media. Did they even open a Bible? And uh, just, like, <laughs> you know. And so what I'm concerned about, I wrote, I wrote a whole thing. I actually, this is what I tweeted this morning because I, th I thought somebody's going to try to get their grimy hands into this. Are you with me? Because that's just how they always are. They co-opt everything. Are you with me? Um, people don't know this, but that revival that took place in Minnesota where they were baptizing people in the streets was actually started by an RU graduate, a River University graduate actually went up there and started that. And other people came in and started worshiping and took the whole thing over. And everybody thinks they started. They had nothing to do with it. So what you're dealing with in the church are what we call opportunists. 
They have nothing in themselves. They have to parasite off the back of somebody else. Because if you had something of yourself, why do you already need a crowd? And why do you already need churches to work with you? If you had something of yourself, you could go into any place by yourself and the thing would break out. And I've seen this happen over the years. I've seen people try to book themselves in right before I'm coming. They know I'm coming to a city. Two weeks before, they try to get into the same church and run an extended meeting. And I called the pastor and said, I'm canceling. They said, why? I said, because I know what they're doing. They're trying to go up what God's going to do, and I'm not going to be a part of this. We are not playing games here. Because I know what we carry is real. We, we don't carry GMO. We don't carry a genetically modified gospel that's got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And the thing that we have fought most over the 26 years of this church is to keep the river pure and to keep the stream pure. So I wrote this. I said, a chapel service on Wednesday, 10 a.m., started in this university. It's not stopped. It's still going. Ashbury University has not commented on it. This should be happening everywhere. May this spread to every university across our nation. This happens when people get hungry for God. Many will refer to this as a sovereign move of God. However, God sovereignly moved 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, and He never stopped moving, and He's still moving today. Can't wait to hear all the critics, the controllers, or better yet, the opportunists who would love to co-opt what God has done. Let this shut down the whole university. Let the fire continue to fall and shut down all of our universities across America. And shake everything that can be shaken. So may this explode. So then people call me, are you going to go up there? I said, why would I go up there? I have one going on here. So you've got all these preachers, all they do is run over here, run over there, run over there. Because they think the Holy Ghost is living somewhere. He's not. He's there. You just have to ask him to come and fill you and touch you. And he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Why is it that man always wants to build an edifice? That's why the church has gone into the new age. Because now they're talking portals and all that kind of stuff. There's a portal like, you've been watching too many science fiction movies. Are we going to redig the well of revival? The well's not in the ground. The, the river's in people. It's not in, it's not in the ground. Oh, we're going back to Azusa Street to go redig a well. No, that's not how it works. You can Azusa all you want to. You better get the fire like Daddy Seymour had. Are you with me? Redig the well. You're smoking crack. What goes on in many charismatic circles is nothing more than idolatry. Yes. Yes. It's idolatry. Yes. It's the same reason television ministries send stone from Jerusalem. So you can win for your gift of $1,000 this month, you get special stone and you can feel close to God. It's like the, if the preacher had a big belly, they could send a picture of the belly and they could rub the belly. It's like a Buddha. <laughs> the Holy Ghost comes to live on the inside of you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. 
out of your innermost being shall flow forth rivers of living water. Let rivers not just to be used inside the four walls of the church, but outside on the streets. Do you know there's some people that never tell people about Jesus, but they always want to prophesy in church. They always got some kind of a tongue interpretation. You say, how many people have you led to the Lord? Um, That's not really my ministry. Come here, let me slap you. And you want to know, that's why many revivals come to an end, because people just keep it all inside, and they just, we, it must be outside. It's got to go out of the four walls. This is what America needs right now. You catch fire, you catch fire, you catch fire, you catch fire, and then you go, and the fire begins to spread. If one kid can drop a match and 400,000 acres of California burn, then what will one person full of the fire of God do? One man, one woman, full of the fire of God. That's why the devil, the devil thought I'll coronavirus them into silence. I'll put a mask on them. I'll shut them down. And God said, oh, really? They thought the church was some kind of an organization that you could just officially shut down. They didn't realize the church is the body of Christ, and you can't stop the church. Amen. You can't stop the body of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 So I'm praying that God sweep that university to where they can't even have classes and just arrest everything and then let it spread to another university, to another one, to another one, to another one. And just like that, whatever the devil was planning with our young people has been shot to pieces. Hallelujah. So people say, oh, you're going to go. What am I going to go do there? Well, just to feel. I can feel it here. It's the Holy Ghost. Let me play the clip so you can see. Just put a clip up. Wesleyan Methodist University. So now, from what I'm hearing, many are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking about the tongues. So the devil thinks he's got this thing locked down and he's got the thing won. Uh, I've got news for you, he's failed miserably because God is on the move. I've said God is on the move. 
Hallelujah. Now, the, the, the thing that has to happen is once people that have an encounter with God or being refreshed or touched, they have to be mobilized for the harvest. That's how it, that's how it explodes. That's why we tell everybody, everybody must go win souls. How many soul winners do we have in the room? Okay, so that this week shall be a great week of harvest. That God's going to lead you across people that desperately need to know, and you're going to tell them about Jesus. And guess what? When you take your hand to put it on them, to pray for them, the same power that you felt right in this room is going to come upon them, and God's going to shake them to the very core. And that's how it spreads. Hallelujah. One catches fire, then another one, then another one. Revival's not just a meeting. Revival's not just a meeting where we, get, we have a revival. Revival's people getting saved, healed, set free, and delivered. And the power of the enemy broken. Can you say amen? amen. And so this is what we were even praying about this last week. That God would shake how long have we prayed here in the online premiums that God would shake whole universities and our schools? And we already see that here. We see more kids being saved in the high schools of Hillsborough County than any other county in America. And that's not our numbers. That's from the student Christian movement. Out of the top, what's it, 27 high schools? 29 high schools, this county. Yeah. Just ours, this whole county is shaking under the power of God. Thousands of kids are coming to Christ. Why? Because of all of our youth that are in all of these schools and they're winning people to Jesus. I'm telling you, the devil's not going to have, he's not going to have his way. We're about to do a big outreach on the University of, huh? USF, University of South Florida. What day is that? The 27th of March. You had to move the dates to March. Okay. So, I mean, there's going to be a big, massive outreach there, but they're already winning souls, and we already got groups on campus. So, this is not what the devil thinks. He thinks he's got this thing locked down, but he's made a, he made a very bad career move <laughs> by trying to lock everybody down and shove double masks on them. He just made a bad move because the church, well, at least the people I know said no. No, we're not doing that. We're not going to do that. So revival is not coming. It is here. What, what we believe in God for is the awakening that then sweeps through the town, sweeps through the streets, sweeps in the marketplace, into the places of business, into places of commerce, into government. Can you imagine what will happen if the power of God sweeps into the Congress and shuts down all those talking heads? Imagine they get up to try to speak. And if you go back and look at American history back in, in the first 200 years of America, they would, open, they would open Congress with praise and worship. There were times the power of God would sweep through the whole thing. Nobody could even speak. That's in American history. Somebody said, oh, well, well, we're not sure. If again. I tell you, God will smack him so hard. I mean, Uncle Joe will be speaking in like his ramble that we never know. I mean, this last week was something about, I can't even repeat what he said. He, nobody knows what he said. And the, I'm telling you, the power of God to get them all saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Can God do it one more time as he did? Yes, he can. 
Yes, he can. But we are not compromising. You've heard me tell you this. Sunday after Sunday, the World Economic Forum has influenced many denominations here in America. The Southern Baptist Convention announced at the big national conference, I believe it was in August, in Anaheim, and said there are three things that they would target as a denomination. They would target tongues because they don't want the church speaking other tongues. So they have to tell you, the World Economic Forum, these are Satan worshipers. They don't like tongues. Well, guess what? We like tongues, and we speak in tongues. Amen. They don't like healing and miracles. Guess what? We love healing and miracles. We're going to see, we see them every day. People are not coming to church to get healed. They're getting healed by the church, wherever the church goes. Amen. And then they don't like prosperity. Well, I've got news for them. Because we took the, everybody in this church in a vow of prosperity. We don't have a vow of poverty yet. Can you say amen? And out of this place, people will be launched to the far-flung corners of the globe, carrying the fire of God. Bible schools will be launched. New churches will spring up. These people sitting, staring at me right now. God's going to use you to write history in a nation. And you might not understand that right now, but you will at the time of launching. And God will put a fire in you and you'll be blasted out of here. Amen. Like a Holy Ghost tomahawk missile. And you'll drop, be dropped into a place. And then the supernatural will take place. So that's what this church is about. That's what revival is about. And I'm so excited that God allowed us to be alive in this year to see what is happening. Can you say amen? And every one of you that already being used of God, you can feel it in your bones right now what I'm talking about. I can see some people have gripped onto their seats. Some people have had to put your seat belts on here as I've been preaching. There's people sitting here that are crusade evangelists, having mass crusades. There's people sitting here that have got tents that are moving around. There's ministers sitting here in this place. This is your home, and you come in here, and you get refreshed, and you go right out, and you're wreaking havoc in the camp of the enemy. And this is only the beginning. I said it's only the beginning. America will shake by the power of God. from Maine to the Keys, to San Diego, to Seattle, across the great state of Alaska, the Hawaiian chain, even the island nation of Guam, American Samoa, even to Puerto Rico, wherever the flag flies. This nation, God has not forgotten this country. And God sent me here as a missionary to America to tell America it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It is not over. And this church was made for COVID-19. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm. And this people were made for this moment. Praise God. How many of you, you, you feel this on the inside of you? 
So God's going to use you all in the different realms that you find yourself in, whether it be business, government, whatever. You're going to take that territory. Amen. And you have to have the same anointing that's on me. You have to function that, obviously, to function in your realm. You can't do this without the power of God. Amen. So listen, I want to encourage you. Seeing we're going the fourth week, some say, are you going to go after that? I don't know. I've just been doing this week by week, you know. I just, I know by Friday, if we, I don't know. I haven't planned anything. I'm only doing what the Lord says to do. So I want, we could finish Friday night. That's it. It's done. And then this four-week period of time will be history. But I'm going to ask you to do whatever you can to make any adjustment to get in as much as you can. And not only that, and bring some people, drag them here. I don't care if you've got to put chloroform or chlorophyll. What is that? What's that thing where you, what is it? Will you knock them out? Yeah, and just bring them here. We'll get them here. We'll bring them around over here. We'll have smelling salts for them. No, bring, bring people that desperately need a touch from God. Somebody said they'll come kicking and screaming. That's fine. Just bring them. They'll thank you in the long run. They'll say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want everybody to bow your heads across this room and the balconies, and the main floor. Only the workers to move right now. Please be careful. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you watching in your home by way of television, I want to give a call today. If you fit in any one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Maybe you came here today and you say, Pastor, I've never, I never give my life to the Lord, but today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. As you walked in here, as you came on the property, you felt God's presence. I want you to know you can live like this. I want you to know that your house can be like this, a place filled with the very presence of God. If you're watching in your homes and you sense that anointing just flowing into your house, will you surrender your life to Jesus? What would happen if today was your last day on the earth and you breathed out your last breath? Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sin is plunged beneath that flood. Lose all the guilty stain. Today, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come in here one way, but you'll live another way. Today, he calls you. Will you surrender today and say, yes, Lord? Maybe you're here in this place or you're watching my way of television and you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost my first love. The heat has really affected me. Maybe it's something that's hidden that you've never dealt with. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, hidden things that clog the heart of man. But today you say, I want to be free. He said, I will take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. He said, a new spirit will I put within you. Today, that's what will happen. Today, he will revive you. He will revive you today. If you'll let him. 
He loves you. And he stands with arms wide open. He says, come unto me. All ye that labor and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. He says, come. Will you surrender to him today? Somebody said, well, what if it's not hidden? What if it's very outward and everybody's seen it and they know and I feel so bad, but everybody knows about it. They've already publicized what I've done. And it doesn't matter. God's a God of a second chance and a God of a new beginning if you'll surrender to him and say, yes, Lord. Yes, I come. I surrender to you. Maybe it's not hidden or outward as we describe. Maybe a storm came against your life. You were going along, serving the Lord. Many people come to me, even ministers come to me. They say, Pastor, I was on fire. I was doing well. And then this thing hit me like a Mack truck from hell. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened, rocked my world. But today, I want to come back. Today, I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Can he restore me? Can he renew me? Can he revive me? Can he make me live again? And the answer is yes, he can. Just surrender today and say, yes, Lord. And then maybe you're here in this place watching by way of television and you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord, but I don't have the assurance. I don't know. I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm, that I'm a child of God. I have a constant battle between my head and my heart. And the devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved. But today I want to know. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, want, I need to know that I'm born again. I want to pray with you and for you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if this is you and you fit into any one of these categories, I'm going to pray with you and for you right where you are. Quickly, without hesitating, just go ahead and put your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you on the main floor. In the north balcony, just slip your hand up. Thank you. Just slip it up high. Another hand up there. Another hand up there. In the, in the south balcony, just put your hand up. And on the floor, hands are going up here at the back. Slip your hand up. Another hand back over that side. Over here towards the, sorry, the, the north balcony. That's the south balcony. Over here on the front, God bless you. Up there, God bless you. On the main floor, just slip it up high and say yes. Yes, that's me. God bless you. Yes, yes. Today is your day. Today. Some say, I'll leave it for tomorrow. There might not be a tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation and freedom. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. I want you to look at me, if you would, please. Let's start over here in the south balcony. If you're in the south balcony or on the floor on this side, if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer, we're going to pray right now. Quickly put your hand up and say, yes, that's me. Anybody else? Slip it up high and say yes. The center section and the west balcony, slip, slip your hand up and say, include me. I see your hand, lady. Thank you. Yes. So I've seen your hand. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? And then the north balcony, slip your hand up. Thank you. Right at the back. And then back here on the floor. I'm going to ask every person to raise your hand if you do something. Just stand to your feet right now, all across the building. Every person to raise your hand. I want you to come from where you are and come stand right there. 
We're going to pray together. The ushers will help you come from the balconies and bring you down. Come. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Come. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. Cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. You could take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, no turning back. Let me just say this. You know, before this nonsense, every Sunday we would see 150 plus, some Sundays 300 saved because of our outreaches. We had to change all of that. And then they started targeting the church to try to bring people here to get people sick. If I told you all the stuff that went behind the scenes, that doesn't mean we're not winning souls. I mean, you saw last week, what's it? A couple of thousand people saved on the street. So everybody's winning souls. But I'm talking about our altar calls in here. And so I'm working on a whole new strategy to get my altar calls in here back up to 150, 200, 300 on a Sunday. And just give me some time working on it. Amen. Because we work around what the enemy is doing. Because not only did that stop our harvest, because how many know when we ran across the country, we did 20, 55 cities in 27 months back um, 08, 09, 07, yeah. And uh, we saw 1.1 million people saved. A half a million were saved in retirement homes. That's the thing that stopped. 
They wouldn't let us in retirement homes, and that's where we saw many people saved, even on their deathbeds. And so we were cut off. It's all started again. Now we can go back into prisons, go back into retirement homes. So all that's picking up momentum. It is. And then, of course, we still have such strict rules to even come to church here. Everybody has to sign a waiver, show an ID, and get a band. So one Sunday, we turned away 600 people because they just wouldn't give an ID. Somebody said, why did you do that? Because I had to protect you. Because if somebody won't show an ID, why? Then what is your purpose and why you're coming? So, so if anything, we have, we have dampened whatever we were doing before to protect the congregation. But I will do whatever it takes to protect the people that come to worship here. So, I'm working on all the solutions, and uh, you'll be hearing of them here. When the moment this thing comes to an end, this special dedication time, and then we'll be working on the way we bring in the harvest, because I like seeing the altar packed on Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. But I know that you have an altar everywhere you're going. You have an altar call, and then they get altered. Because that's the number one spelling mistake people put on. So many people came to the altar, which is A-L-T-E-R. That's not what, it's an A-L-T-A-R. But you do get altered at an altar. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. So, everybody say souls. souls. Everybody say the harvest. harvest. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Stretch your hand out towards these precious people. You in the homes, pray this prayer with us as we pray with them. Raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this prayer. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin, and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now just lift your hands and thank him right now. Just thank him right now. Just thank him right now. Now, Father, I pray 
that right now you would seal them by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost come upon each one now. In the name of Jesus, every bondage is broken, every addiction is broken. I set you free right now. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, never the same again. And Lord, use every one of them to be mighty soul winners and bring in this harvest. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.